0: heard somebody say tired, and that could either be because of the time change or, um, or just too much stuff to do. I, I imagine that somebody here might have said, busy, I'm busy. I'm, somebody might have said, I'm stressed. We have a lot of stress in our world, and that's what we're, I'm, I'm going to assume that you all said stress or, or could have, <laughs> because uh, over the next four weeks, we are talking about Um, our response to that, our response to being busy, our response to being stressed, our response to all the stuff that is cluttering up our lives, and the response being simplicity. How do we get back to a simple life? So many of us have too many things to do, that we have schedules that are just jam-packed, there is no free time. We rush from one thing to another to another, and we're going to talk about that, how to simplify our schedules. Some of us uh, are stressed about we don't have enough money for the things that we need, and so it may be saving for your kids' college. It may be Uh, your car's uh, breaking down and you need a new one, you you need to make mortgage payments or whatever. Uh, There is not enough money for what you need. Or perhaps you have too much stuff and you're just kind of, you know, wading through your house and saying, where did we get all this stuff? How... How do we simplify our lives in that way? Obviously, stress comes from the current health crisis, that we're worried about the coronavirus and what is this and how is this going to affect our world? What is it? What does the future look like in a world where this kind of unexplained disease is, is happening? We often find stress in our relationships that is just complicated to, that with people. People we love are even more complicated than the people we don't. We can just ignore the people that we don't love, but the people we love, we have to live with, you know, that's complicated. And so there's so much in our relationships that, um, uh, that stress us out. And, you know, sometimes even religion gets us stressed. You know, we have these ideas in our head that we've gained through, you know, years of, 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 uh, of thinking, praying, experiencing, and we say, you know, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe uh, I don't get what I pray for because I'm praying in the wrong way, and God is holding a grudge against me because that's something I did when I was 13, and um, and so we get all stressed out because we think that we're not playing the religion game right. All of this we're going to be talking about in the next uh, today and in the next three Sundays. Uh, the how do we simplify all of these things and and Challenge the stress that's going on and put it in its place, and and, and get orderly lives that are that are simple. So today uh, we begin that, um, and and I'll begin laying out a you know seventeen point plan for uh, conquering stress. That was a joke. Let me try that again. Today I'll be laying out my 17-point plan for conquering stress. Uh, that's not what we're doing here. Uh, we are we are seeking to simplify. We're we're seeking to uh, we're we're going to give you some ideas along the way. But it's not you must do this 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 and this. That would defeat the purpose. What what's our center? Where where do we find our true home with God? Here, you know, uh, some of you uh, know. Um, I, I've I've told some of you some things about my life and my working life, and uh, I'm I'm going to share something else now. About a year and a half ago, I left a full time job, uh, which was <laughs> which was stressful, but at least it took up all my time, so I didn't have a lot of decisions to make about how I would use my time. Um, but I left that and I went into freelancing and and have been trying to do copywriting in uh, in a marketing uh, area, and uh, so I've got some training from a company that does marketing, uh, a company called Storybrand, and their focus is simplicity. Keep things simple. So many companies have just too much stuff that they're worried about. Keep it simple. What is the one thing you do to help your client? Find out what your client's problem is and do what you do to solve their problem. That's the way to do business. You see this on websites all the time, uh, that, that companies put everything they do on their website. And, uh, and it's too much. You get confused. You go to a website and you say, well, what, what, what really do they do? I, don't, I, I read this and, and I see 17 things. And not. I, I don't get a handle on this. Uh, I told a client the other day, your website is like a garage. Not a a nice garage where you park your car, but the kind of garage where you put all the stuff that you don't need anymore, and you don't want to throw it out, so you, you put it in the garage, and your garage is a mess. You can't get through it. It's a disaster area. And so I said, your website is like a garage because you have everything that you want anybody in any time to know about what your company is and has ever been. You need to, to make it a living room where you welcome in your clients and say, hey, could we start a relationship? What, what problems do you have that we could solve for you and, and go from there? Keep it simple. So that's the approach that, that we'll be taking um, with a number of these things uh, that, we've, that are stressing us out. We're beginning with, uh, with the time factor. And the simplicity is important. The focusing on the one thing is where we're starting. And it makes me think of a story. Many of you may know this very well. We're going to take another look at this. It's the story of two friends of Jesus, Martha and Mary. So um, Martha and Mary had a home outside of Jerusalem. So when Jesus came to visit Jerusalem, He would often stay with them. We get the idea that they had a fairly large home, that they were affluent people and could welcome Jesus and his 12 disciples and perhaps anyone else traveling with them. And so a home had to be big enough for for them. Jesus uh, sends word ahead that he's coming for a visit with his disciples. And so, of course, Martha... Probably the older sister, Martha, I'm thinking. She seems to be the the take charge person. And so she goes into a tizzy. I've got this horde of people coming to my house. I need to entertain them. I need to make dinner for them. I need to make sure that they're comfortable here. I have so many things to do here. And so Jesus shows up with his people and Martha is scurrying around trying to get everything ready. And then she hears a sound that makes her very upset. She hears her sister's laughter. I'm I'm thinking Mary was laughing at this point. What the scripture tells us is that she was sitting at Jesus' feet with the other disciples listening to Jesus teach. But when Jesus taught... How did he teach? He told stories. He told fun stories. He said clever things. I I have to think that the people who listened to Jesus were often laughing. And for Martha to be slaving away in the kitchen and hearing her sister not working with her, but sitting at Jesus' feet laughing. (laughs) laughing about Jesus. He said that if you have a speck in your eye and and you're, you know, someone tells you to remove the speck in your eye and they have a log in their own eye, that's like hypocrisy. And that's funny. Um, I didn't tell it as well as Jesus did, I'm sure. But um, so Mary's laughing away. Martha's upset. And so she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell my sister to come and help me. And Jesus says this to her, and we have this, we have the scripture uh, here. The master said, Martha, dear Martha. And I love the fact that he just repeats that, that, that he's trying to get through Martha's haze of stress here. I've got so much to do, and he just, Martha, 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 Martha. You are fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken away from her. I love this translation uh, of this text, by the way. Sometimes the, this is the message, and sometimes the message you know, takes some liberties with the text and, and tries to be modern, and yeah, sometimes it doesn't. This is perfect, because the, words, the Greek words there are about stress and roiling and fussing and stewing and lots of energy and, and internal upheaval going on in Martha. You are frustrated. You are struggling. You are fussing over so many things, Martha. You've got all these things to do, but you're missing something. Mary has chosen the one thing that's essential. So just like I say to a client, you need to find the one thing that your company does and put that on your website. Jesus is saying, Mary has distilled all of that to the one thing that's important. And actually, in the original text, he says, she has chosen the better part or the better portion. And that's always kind of mystified me until this translation: the main course. What's Martha doing? Making dinner. And so Jesus is saying, look, you're making all these dishes. The only the, the important thing is what's the main course? And the main course is me, is time with me, is listening to me. That's the most important thing in this house at this time. And Mary has chosen the main course, not all these side dishes that you're working on. So, I offer you that image of simplicity here. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. You are a Martha scurrying around, trying to do all the things that are expected of you. But the main course is being with Jesus, listening to Jesus, paying attention to him. Everything else falls into place when that main course is in play. We're going to talk more about schedule in, uh, in a moment. I do want to offer uh, one other thing as we begin this series of Simplicity. Uh, and that is to direct you to the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to read it today or uh, now. Uh, but Matthew 5 to 7 is where you find the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, some of you are very familiar with it. Others may not be. It is, it's a good read. It's about 120 verses or so. So, so it's substantial. But you could probably read that in 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes. And I would encourage you over the next several weeks to make that part of your reading. Maybe not every day, but maybe on, on a Saturday. Uh, find some time and then you'll come to church on Sunday and you will have read that. That will be fresh in your mind. Or maybe a few verses every day. The the reason I'm saying that is that um, we may not even quote directly from those verses. I think there are some we will, but Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount lays out a picture of how to be like Mary rather than Martha, how to be focusing on the main course and not all the other stuff. He starts out with those wonderful beatitudes, the the, the blessings. Uh, you know, he he says, you know who's really fortunate, the humble people, not the people who trumpet their own, you know, uh, their own positive qualities, but the humble people. They're really fortunate because God will raise them up. The people who are who are mourning and 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 concern for other people's problems those who show mercy to other people those who are meek and not bullies these are the fortunate people in our world not the one not the take charge people who do you know who are always on top of the situations it's the people who struggle the people who have pure motives the people who make peace And it goes on through those chapters and talking about how how to deal with the stress of uh, or how religion can create more stress for us and how there are simple responses to that. How prayer can become a very simple encounter with God and so on. So I urge you to to make that, especially in the next month, make that part of your your personal reading there. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to to seven. So let's talk about schedule. One principle I'd like you to to take, not earth shattering, but your schedule tells a story about your priorities. Your schedule tells a story about your priorities. If you took out your phone and looked at your calendar and all the things that you have planned out for this week or this month, it will tell a story about what you're involved in, what you do, who, what, but also what you care about, what your priorities are. So what's most important to you? What's your main course there as you plan out your life, as you say yes to doing certain things and, and no to other things? You are shaping a life there. Um, I have two quotes, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do them quickly. I, I found these in my research. and um, uh, they, they touch on this idea. Uh, so the, the, the Annie Dillard quote, let's take a look at that. Uh, this is one of my favorite writers, Annie Dillard, um, and from a book called The Writing Life. Uh, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. That's the most important sentence here. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And so what she's saying is that that okay. How do you want to spend your life? How do, what do you want on your on your epitaph? Uh, well, it depends on wh- how you spend each day. You're making decisions every day about how you spend uh, your your life. Uh, and she goes on and does really artsy kind of language there. <laughs> um, uh, so let's move to the, to the next one. Seneca, this is an old Roman philosopher from the time of Jesus, actually. And I want to focus on the last line there. Life is long if you know how to use it. You're making decisions every day about how you are using your life. And uh, we talk about how short life is, and sure, it, life, life is too short. But life can be just the right length for you. If you are focusing on the most important things, uh, if you keep that that simple focus there. So I have three suggestions about your schedule. Pretty simple and they won't take too long. The first suggestion is create time to connect with God. This is the Mary thing. Sit at Jesus' feet. Listen to Jesus. Listen to what he has to say. But I'm asking you to create time to connect with God. Jesus, uh, one of the great verses later in the Gospel of Matthew uh, that Jesus had, uh, he says, let's look at the, the next slide there. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary And carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So if you're stressed, if you need some rest in your life, come to Jesus. Learn from him. Listen to him. Take his yoke upon you. Is that, uh, we don't, uh, yeah, he does. He says, take my yoke upon you. And it's uh, a couple of interesting things there. What was a yoke? Well, all of you oxen herders are well aware of what a yoke is, that when you take your oxen out to plow the field, you, you get two of them to go side by side. And to keep them together, you would put this wooden thing over their backs uh, to keep keep them in line, and so they're together. And it's a big, heavy thing that keeps them together there as they pull the plow through the field. Um, That term was often used in Jesus' time by by rabbis who would be teaching disciples. They would have people who would come to them and be part of their crew. And those rabbis would have certain... uh, certain principles, certain ways, certain approaches to studying scripture, to praying, to living life, they would have rules for engagement uh, with these their students. So if you want to be a student of Rabbi so-and-so, you would take his yoke upon you, and he would teach you, you must do this, 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 and this in order to be a good Jew, in order to follow God properly, according to Rabbi so-and-so. Jesus, a rabbi with disciples, says, Take my yoke upon you, because what does he say about it? I am humble and gentle at heart, you will find rest. It is not a difficult yoke. It's not a lot of stuff to do. It's not, I am not a demanding master here. I'm not cracking the whip. Take my yoke upon you because it is a, a, a yoke of comfort and rest. And so we find Mary sitting at Jesus' feet laughing. And we can, we can do that too. He offers us rest from our stress as we take his yoke upon us. What's interesting is that in, so many of you may have uh, felt some, some pressure. I have felt pressure over the years to, to do daily devotions, to set aside a time every day to read the Bible and pray which is a really good thing to do. I've never been that disciplined to do that every day. I do it at different times of day throughout the week. I connect with God. I, and this is not about me. This, <laughs> this is about you. But, but there are many ways to do this. There are some Christians who, who s- say there is only one way to do this. You know, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and do your daily devotions. Have your quiet time. Read this booklet, that this is the way to have this time with, with God. And what I'm telling you now is, is create your space for that. It may be morning, it may be some other time, it may be every day, it may be once or twice a week, it may be as you drive your car, it may, but create that time to connect with God. Make it a, an organic connection and not just a thing you do because some yoke is upon you that if you want to be a good Christian, you must follow these rules. Make it a, re, a real thing, a reality of your connection with a real God that you are in relationship with. Second thing about scheduling. Find your Sabbath to review. The first chapter of Genesis tells the story of creation, God creating the world in six days and resting on the seventh day. And so the nation of Israel took that as, um, as a guide for their structure of time, for their lives, that the seventh day would be a day of rest. And it's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work. Do no work on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. And that became part of Israel's tradition there. The Sabbath was a day of rest. The seventh day was set aside for that. The thing is, by Jesus' time, this became a difficult yoke on people's shoulders. There were a bunch of of religious leaders, the Pharisees, who would be the enforcers of the Sabbath day. If you were doing anything that looked like work on the Sabbath day, they would scold you, perhaps even arrest you in some way. They would cause problems for you because you were not following their rules of the Sabbath. Over time, there had been some tradition. So what really constitutes work? Well, you can travel this far, but not this far. You can't pick grain in a, in a field that's... Um, and in fact, the Pharisees criticized Jesus' disciples for walking through a field picking grain. Not because they were picking someone else's grain. They were allowed to do that. But because they were harvesting on the Sabbath day and that was work. Jesus made a point of healing people on the Sabbath day because he had an entirely different view of what this was. This was a day of rest and restoration. It was a time of, of redemption and recreation and renewed wholeness for the people that Jesus came in contact with. In fact, he said on one occasion, uh, uh, and let's we have a, a scripture of it, uh, then Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath day was made to help people. They were not made to be ruled by the Sabbath day. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. The Son of Man was Jesus' term for himself. So he's saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath day. And the whole idea was not that we would have to cram ourselves into this difficult schedule and do nothing on this seventh day, but that the seventh day was made for us, for our rest, for our restoration. So my my challenge for you as you look at your schedule and try to tell the story of your priorities to prioritize rest and restoration. If you are working too hard, find that time for something different, for relaxation, for rest. Um, And and make that a regular part of your schedule. Make that a regular priority for you. Uh, Now, this too, Christians can make this crazy. I went to a Christian college uh, in, uh, in Illinois. And um, uh, it was the Chicago area. We had brutal winters. And I remember one spring day, which was probably in late May when it was warm enough to go outside. Um, and um, I, a friend and I wanted to, it was a beautiful day. We said, let's go play some tennis. And so we went down to the tennis courts. Uh, of the college and and we're going to go in and play the tennis courts were locked and oh we uh, we assumed it was an oversight we went to the building and grounds office and and uh, it um and they no it's the college policy that the tennis courts are locked on Sunday that's the day of rest that's the christian sabbath really <laughs> Why? and, and there, we, there was a protest about it, uh, other people had had the same problem and so the students were up in arms and putting nasty notes on bulletin boards. Um, it was a Christian college so the protests were kind of mild. But, um, <laughs> uh, and, and a few years later, it took them a few years but they did change that policy. But, but what we were saying was this is crazy. Because this is what we need for restoration. We work hard. We, if you want us to just sit in our rooms by ourselves on Sunday, well, we do that all week as we're studying for exams and such. This is our day to get out and play. Let us do that. And, uh, and eventually, they, they got the idea and said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you do that. But this is the idea of Sabbath is restoration. Now, some Christians are very uh, exacting. Now that Sunday is the day of rest for Christians, I don't think we need to follow that as exacting as as people have. Um, It's why Chick Fil A is closed on Sundays because, well, uh, I love the fact that someone is applying some Christian principles in the in the uh, the business space. But they've made this decision, and despite whatever money they might be losing on that day, that this is a priority for them, that's fine. And so if you want to you know, to make Sunday a day of, of rest and no work, yay, good for you. That is something that you may do. Uh, it's a little difficult for Rick Court because he works on Sundays. Uh, he's here working right right now. And, <laughs> yeah. And so... So on, And I talked with Rick earlier, and so he has his arrangement of other time in the week that he uses as his Sabbath. Jeff Bills does the same sort of thing, that that there are other times that become times of rest and restoration. And I invite you to put that in your schedule as well. Find, find your time for rest and restoration. The, uh, the third thing, and... and uh, uh, this uh, last of the principles. I'm gonna tell you another story about my college days. And uh, I just, I loved remembering this, this one. There was a, a, one day, I remember, uh, I was rushing across campus to get to the theater for a play rehearsal. And, uh, and I was actually going to be on time uh, for, <laughs> for this. But it was close, so I was, I was rushing. And, uh, and I, as, I'm, as I'm crossing the campus, I see a friend approaching me. And, and it was a guy that I, I had known uh, the previous year. He lived on the same floor in my, my freshman year. We were pretty good friends, but we hadn't seen each other for a while. And, uh, and so, it, you know, hey, great to see you. How you doing? And I'm expecting him to say, fine and move on but he stopped and he said I'm not so good oh what's going on and so I stop and and as he began to to talk about what was going on in his life I got the clear sense that God wanted me to interrupt my journey to the play rehearsal uh, to listen to this friend and so I did and so um, 10 minutes later I got to the play rehearsal, and, uh, and I went to the director. The director was the theater professor, and he was, he's a, a, just a total gem of a person. He is a saint. He, he, he was. He has passed away since. But um, In fact, uh, about a month ago, uh, in our greeting time, we were asked, who is your favorite teacher? That, that was my answer, Jim Young. That theater professor was my favorite teacher. He taught me so much about life, about God, about, about living in the moment. And that's the thing, that, it was that, that I knew that he would understand this sense of listening to God, living in the moment, being there for friends, being present. Um, he was teaching me all of that. And so I thought that he might totally approve of the fact that I had stopped to listen to a friend uh, and thus was late to his rehearsal. Um, at least I hoped that he would understand all of that. And, and so he listened to me, and, and he wasn't mad. He, he smiled. And then he said this. Um, Perhaps you could start out earlier next time to allow time for anyone the Lord brings into your path. <laughs> this guy was Yoda. I mean, this <laughs> Perhaps you could start out earlier next time to allow time for anyone the Lord brings into your path. What what an amazing concept there, because it does both things. It says, be open in the moment for interruptions and also plan for them. Plan ahead for those interruptions. And I invite you to do that. Leave time for whatever. And I don't know how that looks in your calendar. I don't know how you tell Microsoft Outlook to whatever. (laughs) But build in some margin in your life as much as you can. Um, There's there's a really interesting scripture in James uh, that says, um, we have it on the the, um, screen. Uh, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business and then uh, we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? And he goes on, uh, your life is like the morning mist, uh, morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. This is the reason why you hear some people saying, Lord willing, I'll come to your party on Saturday. Um, But it's not really talking about the party on Saturday. It's talking about a business venture. It's talking about up and moving your life to do something else. It's talking about making a commitment that will have significant impact in your schedule, in your life going forward. Going for a year to do business somewhere. Don't just do that because it pays well. That's what James is saying. Do it because the Lord wants you to. Or don't do it if he doesn't. So we have those decisions to make about our schedules all the time. Don't just do it because, oh, it'll pay well, or it'll I'll meet some people I need to meet, or whatever. Think about what the Lord wants. How does the Lord want you to schedule your time? A few quick thoughts at the end. Um, I, I have this list, and you could, I, I'm sure you could add a number of things to this list. Uh, take control of your calendar. It's okay to say no. It's okay if you're really thinking about what does the Lord want. It's okay for you to say, no, the Lord doesn't want me to do this. Nothing wrong with this. It's just that this is not how the Lord wants me to use my time. Think in those terms and say no to some things along the way. I I know there are friends of mine who I will, uh, uh, I'll ask. uh, So uh, Kevin, I've done this with you. Uh, So can you do something next Wednesday night? And you'll say, let me check with my wife, right? (laughs) And you, many of you do that with your spouses. Let me check there. And so I, I know I won't get an answer for another day or week. And um, But you could also say, and, and whether you say this or not, you could also think, let me check with God. Let me pray about this and see if God wants me to say yes to this obligation here. So... It's okay to say no. Um, We are continually hounded by our machines, by by our phones, by uh, our, our computer, social media, and all of that. Unplug sometimes, find time when that is not in your face and in your ear. Focus on what or who is in front of you when you are interacting with someone or doing a particular task. Do it, be with them. Don't be thinking about the eight other people who might be calling you on your phone at this moment. Uh, and teach your children well. Uh, and, and I speak also to the young, uh, young people in the room here too. Learn ways of ordering your life. You are so much in this electronic world. And the, um, find ways to create order that tells a good story for your life that, uh, that will allow you to reflect priorities that are honoring of God in your life. So a bunch of ideas for you. I hope you get, grab some and that it might help you to reduce some of the stress of your schedule um, as, you, as you move forward. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray, and right after the prayer, there's a little bit uh, more. Lord, guide us, uh, teach us. Show us how to readjust our lives to leave room for your guidance in our lives. Let our schedules reflect your priorities. In Jesus' name, amen.